Hello, and thank you for joining us. This is Brian, your host of the Parish the Thought Show. The opinions of said host and our guests have not been sanitized or scientifically tested, so please consume at your own risk. Ladies and gentlemen, and whoever else is listening, today my guest is Remy Lewis. He is a 54-year-old black man living in Utah, and I am a 51-year-old white man living in Utah. And welcome, sir. It's a pleasure to be here, Brian. Thanks for having me. Um, and I, I met you, gosh, four years ago for the first time. And, yes, you did. And I was enamored by your, 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 your consistent, fun, jovial personality. Um, and ironically enough, when I first met you, we were renting the basement of a, of a lady, you know, as we were transitioning to our new home. And my first thought was, what's this guy selling? He's just so happy. And I'm like, wait a minute, there's something, what's going on here? <laughs> Brian, I get that all the time. I get that all the time. You know, just in fact, my lovely wife, whom I married about about two and a half years ago here. Um, she's, she's one of eight kids in, um, um, you know, from this area, you know, large, beautiful, lovely family. She's got five brothers and they're all about, I don't know, six, two, six, six, four, six. I mean, they're big boys. Yeah. Uh, the first time they met me, one of them specifically said to himself, what is this guy selling? Like, oh, what's funny. wrong with him? <laughs> and you know what? Uh, it's been four years now, and I reconnected with you again about a year ago. Yeah. You're the same guy. It's consistent. <laughs> I'm always se selling something. Well, you're, you, you're, you know what? You're not selling something. Your, your personality is such that people want to buy whatever you have, and not literally. It's just you've got a, an, kind of an infectious personality, and that's what drew me to you is just, you know. The yeah. genuineness of your, you know, your attitude, you know, so, and I know what I, what I kind of wanted to start talking on and I didn't, I, 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 I hesitated on how to do it or how, how much I should plan and prepare and, and be careful that I didn't step on anybody's toes or offend. And I just got so overwhelmed with trying to over prep this conversation and that's what I reached out to you for a couple of weeks ago is I just you know you I feel comfortable enough with you and real enough with you that we can just roll with it um, but I wanted to talk just ever since the kind of the race tension started kicking in um, I started watching a lot of movies that started popping up on Netflix about, you know, racism and the history of it in America. And I've always heard usually from folks on the left that America is systemically racist and it always really hurt me, hurt my heart. Yep. And, and I think it, cause, cause I don't think like that and I don't think I've ever been that to somebody. So my natural reaction is to just, is to resist and dig in and say, what the hell? and be defensive about it. And so, and, and I don't know if that, if it's true or not, some would tell me you're an idiot because you can't see it. And I just don't know. And I live in Utah and it's predominantly a white population. So I don't know. 
that's my answer to a lot of things. Is I just don't know. So I wanted to just talk with you openly about whatever. Sure. Mind about it and what you've experienced. And if you've experienced it on a daily basis, like some media outlets say, media outlets profess. Sure. Every, every black man has, has experienced racism. Do you know, I, I, um, I'm originally from the Caribbean. So I grew up in Port Prince, Haiti, moved to the States at the age of 14. I was this crony little black kid from a third world country entering a high school in New York. I mean, imagine, um, I, I spoke primarily French and, and Creole, um, just a tiny bit, bit of English. And needless to say, it was a hard go from the outset in high school. Um, what's, what's interesting, Brian, is my father's a Pentecostal preacher. So I grew up in a Pentecostal home. Uh, you know, very religious, very strict. And we had for, you know, I mean, I mean, just years and years, missionaries, white American missionaries, white Canadian missionaries come to our home in Haiti. They would travel all year long to come and serve the Haitian people. They would build orphanages and clinics and schools and you know small homes for the Haitian population. I mean, so 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 I was support, you know just surrounded all year long by by loving, nurturing, kind, sweet, gentle, uh, oh, giving white people. Um, I never saw color because I didn't grow up with it. You know, to them, they were just, oh, you know, I mean, the Americans are coming, the Canadian, the Canadians are coming. We're having, you know, new friends just come in our home for two to three months at a time. And we're just going to love them and they're going to spoil us kids, which they did. So, so, so that was Haiti. Then I come to the States. After high school, went to college. I started in the corporate sector, uh, worked for for you know some of the largest conglomerates in the world. Uh, in fact, my first job was was for the largest chemical company in the world, BASF, yes. out of Southern Cal. Yeah. Yep, large large firm. Um, uh, so, total total side note: You think with a company that's the largest in the world, they'd come up with a better name? It's a little uncreative. They've been around for for about a hundred years yeah. plus. They've been around forever. So, um, so while at BASF, you know, again, I grew up colorblind. I never saw saw color. Never understood color. You know, I mean, uh, I'm just this 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 kid. Um, you let know, me let me stop you there for a second. Now. Yeah, you know, okay. just, just, just for the sake of argument. Sure. Clarify what colorblind means to you. That that I show up and I'm just Rainy. You show up and you're just Brian. I mean, you know, color doesn't even compute in my calculation when I see you. Period. Right. Um, you know, and I worked um, again in the corporate sector, 
with whites, with blacks, and I never saw color. You know, I mean, you were who you were. You, I mean, you were Brian, you were Jeff, you were Susie, you were Michelle. That was it. So you, you, know? you, you acknowledge people by the, their character versus their race. Of course, you recognize no. their race. I mean, that's, you know. I actually did uh, not really recognize race. <clears throat> I, mean, okay. I mean, you know, I mean, you know, I think, you know, I think when someone says colorblind, um, when someone shows up in front of them, their race, their color doesn't even compute in their calculation of who that person is. I mean, it's just not on the radar. Right. It's just who that person is. So when you and I met four years ago, I met Brian. Um, you know, you know, I mean, um, I was dating a mutual friend of ours uh, then, and she was who, you no, know, she was who, who she is. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I never calculated that this is a white person. You know, I'm meeting a, just a white man. Um, so, 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 so here I am in my early twenties. I take this trip with a couple of female colleagues of mine to New Orleans. You know, it was a big thing to go and experience Mardi Gras in New Orleans. I mean, we're going to just, to just celebrate and just have fun. You know, we're just kids, you know, early 20s. I mean, this was what, you know, 30 plus years ago, long time ago. Um, we're just going to have a blast for a week in New Orleans. I mean, it's like a dream. So we get on a plane with, you know, these two white female, you know, uh, you know, friends with whom I worked. We get, uh, you know, we leave LA, Los Angeles airport. We get to New Orleans and walking through that airport was the first time I started to feel, uh, different about about being in a space i mean you know i was no longer just just Ramy. i was just no longer me i you know i was this black man with two white girls walking through an airport and i saw looks and i didn't you know i mean it took a minute to compute what was going on here uh but people were looking at us I mean, it was like interesting. Needless to say, in the two to three days that I was down there, Brian, um, we went to a restaurant where we weren't served. Uh, we, you know, the waiter came and we ordered and we waited and we waited and we waited and waited some more no one came to our table with a thing. After an hour, you know, I started realizing what was going on and my friends were looking at me. I mean, they didn't understand what was going on. Um, we went to a, you know, you know, fun, um, you know, joint there on, I think it's called Bourbon Street or something like that. Um, there in a New Orleans where, 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 you know, I mean, you know, kids, kids are just partying. They're just, just having a great time. And we went there. Um, uh, a couple of young men started calling me the N-word. You know, what are you doing here? Uh, 
I, I mean, again, my brain couldn't even process, you know, I'm what, 23, 24 years old, maybe. And, you know, and, and really never understood what that energy was. You know, I never saw it. I never felt it. And they started calling me the N-word. And they started to call my friends, my, 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 you know, professional colleagues that were traveling with me, these two beautiful girls, beautiful, you know, professional ladies, they started to call them um, very, very derogatory, you know, names because they were with me, because we sat at a table together. It was a horror. It was awful. That was my first time, dear friend, experiencing racism, blatant, overt racism. Um, I came back to Los Angeles no longer colorblind. It was, it was as if I had lost my innocence and I really was devastated because when I saw someone after that trip in my early 20s to, you know, to the South and came back to LA, when I saw someone, the, the first thing that I started to see was their color. I had never seen that before. It was life-changing. I actually fought um, several years thereafter to, to no longer see someone by their color when I first see them. And, you know, by the grace of God, um, that went away after maybe three or four years. But it took me three, three to four years to not see color because I, because I experienced it. Um, I experienced, um, you know, a real, a real painful encounter uh, with, with some white kids that were uh, very mean. Um, and and, and uh, so, 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 you know, so it is real. It is real. Um, this, 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 you know, color, you know, dynamic that, that, that is ever present in America, in our history, in this country. Um, and, um, and I think that we've come a long way, you know, I mean, coming I mean, clearly, you know, there's been wonderful progress made, uh, but we don't live in a colorblind America. Yeah. Well, I guess, yeah. My, to back up again, my question was, I don't know if it was, is it real? I know it's real. Um, yeah. but do you think it's real on a systemic level? Like it's just ingrained in, you know, the culture and, and I don't, and again, the answer is, I don't know. You know, um, so, so, so uh, let me answer it this way. I think certain pockets in this country have more of a culturally uh, deeply rooted, uh, you, you know, no, no, ingrained yeah. systemic racism than others. Absolutely. You know, I mean, is, is every, you know, community in every state uh, systemically racist? No, no, that has not been my experience. But are there some, some regions, some parts of, of our country where, uh, 
because there's been, you know, you know, um, generations, generations of, 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 you know, of this pain felt by blacks, um, you know, uh, of, of, um, of this sort of, you know, identification that is based on a race that dictates how someone is treated. There are certain pockets in our country, in our beautiful country, where that is ever so real today. Yes. Yes. It's, it's, it's mind-blowing to me. And, you know, maybe it's naive or, um, but it's just, it's just mind-blowing to me that, that people have that thinking. You know, even Christians who, who profess to follow Christ and the Bible and that right. still have that. It's, you know, you forgetting the part about, you know, love your neighbor. It didn't say love your neighbor if he's X, Y, or Z. You know, so it's just you know, like, it's just, and yeah. that's why I think I've reacted the way I have because, like, what? what? Right. Is it, right. Because, again, you know, again I, I don't, like I say, naivete or, or what, but uh, it's just, it hurts my heart to hear that you had that experience. And did you think at that point, well, did you just think it was just a kind of a, uh, what's an isolated douchebag for lack of a better term being that way? Or did, did it make you start wondering, are, are all these people like that? Because well, yeah. you had, you had experienced the opposite until that time. You know, until that time, until that time. Well, uh, you know, over the years, you know, on occasion, yeah, you know, you know, again, these are usually kids, um, uh, you know, kids that have been partying, drinking, whatever. Um, you know, I'll be walking down the street um, and, um, and I'll hear someone yell out of the window of their car, the N-word, you know, you know, go back to the jungle or something, you know, silly. Yeah, uh, some, some ignorant, we'll go back to where you came from statement. Yeah, exactly. Like, uh, I, live, I live right here. And this is town, <laughs> idiot, I'm your neighbor. You know, I mean, it's not something that happens every day or every year or even every other year. But once in a while, um, you know, uh, but, 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 um, uh, you, you know, you know so, so I want to share with you just, 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 you know, one more story, um, if you don't mind. I've got time for two or three if you want. Oh, oh, you know, uh, Brian, I have been shown uh, extraordinary love. Uh, from the time I moved here at the age of 14, and I'm 54 now, as you mentioned at the outset of the show, um, you know, 40 years in the States, I've been shown extraordinary love, kindness, and generosity by white people all over the spectrum. I mean, from New York to Seattle to LA, where I lived for almost 15 years, to Oregon, Ben, you know, Bend, Oregon was home for another 15 years before moving to Salt Lake just five years ago. I have been loved. I have been loved and I have been loved by, by white people. Um, you know, I'll share a quick story that just came to to mind as we're reviewing this. Um, you know, my father-in-law, my wife's father, uh, whom I love, you know, I mean, I call him dad. Every conversation, you know, my wife's father and her mother, they are my parents. I call them dad. Um, uh, you know, they are 
Caucasian. Um, my my father-in-law grew up somewhere in the South. I can't remember where. I, I, uh, okay, so in Jacksonville, Florida. And, um, and he had an upbringing where, um, you know, they used certain language to identify Blacks in their home. I mean, and it was not kind language. He grew up with that kind of, you know, upbringing. I'm, you know, I mean, he, you know, just his parents spoke this way, you know, and his friends spoke this way. And he, um, you know, learned that way. Well, while he and his wife, um, they were called to serve a mission in India for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints a few years ago. I mean, imagine being asked to go to India when his wiring saw the world the way he did. Um, the story is that he prayed for one thing before getting on that plane for India. And that is, Brian, that he would be colorblind, that he would no longer see, cl see color when he got there, because there's no way he would survive a year and a half to two years serving that community if he was um, uh, seeing everyone by their race, by their creed, by, by who they are in terms of their color, but not who they are in terms of a child of God, in terms of person. You know, by the time he got there, color left his worldview, his, I mean, he really became colorblind and served those people. He and his sweet, just beloved wife, they served the people of India for two years on their mission. And today he is my father. I mean, I call him dad. You know, you know, you know so, so, I mean, that story tells me that, that there is good news in all of this. You know, I mean, it is not said and done that that you know whites are are always going to be, um, you know, systemically in certain parts of the country, um, you know, racist. That blacks are going to be you know perpetually apprehensive and distrustful. You know, the message is that our hearts can change. We can learn to love each other. As God's children, I mean, it is, you know, it is ever so evident in my, in, you know, in my father-in-law's journey. And he is just the most loving and sweet and kind man. And he loves everybody, loves everybody. Um, uh, you know, he's in his 70s now. Uh, do you know, you know, mean, means to embody love and and you said it just beautifully brian at the beginning of this program that that you know we i mean christ christ taught love and and you know just briefly not to make this a religious conversation but 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 i mean i don't know a more poignant simple simple direct statement 
then do unto others as you would have them do unto you, which is found in Matthew 7, 12. We call this the golden rule. Christ taught us in a simple way what the answer is, to do unto others as you would have them do unto you. It's not complicated. No, it's not. It's so easy, but yet seems to be so difficult sometimes. Yes, <laughs> it, it you know, does. Yeah. Martin Luther King said it the best, uh, in my opinion, you know, content of your character. Yep. And that's kind of my baseline. Yep. You know, I, yep. I think you're defined by how you treat people, not what you look like, where you go to church, who you sleep with, who you vote for. Right. And, right. and, and I think our culture and maybe it's just the media because I, I don't watch the media anymore. So I'm, I don't, I'm not getting all hung up and butthurt about everything because I don't watch it because it's crap, but they feed, they feed into that, you know, that, that base nature. I don't know. They just feed into that and just perpetuate that. I think it's a lie, you know? Right. Right. Immensely more good people loving each other than, than there aren't. Than there, than there aren't. Right, right. You know, I mean, it is interesting um, to, to just look at my Facebook feed. Um, and I've got, you know, friends from all over the place that I'm um, connected to and with on Facebook. And, uh, and it's a great, you know, platform just to see, you know, kids growing up and 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 just families you know evolving and you know just you know some of the sweet children that i saw uh you know just a few years ago now they're getting married i mean it's just a great pla platform just to follow the journey it is so interesting to read read some of the commentary on facebook um even friends that i know don't have a racist bone in their body they are white and beautiful. They are my friends, and I love them, and they love me. Um, I have read, you know, their their confusion over what's going on. They they don't understand the anger that blacks feel. Um, you know, I mean, why the rioting? I mean, this is anti-police, and it's and it's awful, and and on and on. They do not understand um, at all why why this is such a painful moment for blacks after you know witnessing a white police officer his knee on the neck of another human being for eight minutes and forty six seconds. Yeah, that's that was. Um, that was abysmal. And, 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 you know, whether black, brown, red, yellow, you know, whatever, to treat another human being like that uh, is, 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 um, is painful. And, and the suffering that blacks feel at this moment um, from, 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 from the symbolism of George Floyd's murder in real time. I mean, in real time, live murder. Um, you know, that pain conjures up suffering 
that has been been a part of the black experience for decades and decades and decades you know um, um you know and i really um you know i get that a lot of my friends do not understand at all why there's so much anger where you know people want to burn buildings down and you know they just want to tear things up and 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 um uh, uh, you know you know so 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 i had a conversation um brian maybe maybe two months ago with a wonderful you know buddy of mine he is a fellow realtor um he and his sweet wife live in the south carolina area and um and he called me to you know to just talk about it um and and um you know i mean we started to just dissect uh the black experience versus the experience of others that that call this beautiful country home you know the irish and the scottish and you know you know and and you know and the swedish and the germans and on and on and you know you know just of course along with the blacks that have built this country well you know the conversation took an interesting turn because what came to my spirit was you know um I am not aware uh, that that the Italians or the Irish or any other, you know, critical group that make America what it is, just as rich and diverse and beautiful. I mean, just all the heritage that that uh, create this experiment called America. All the different lineages, um, you know. Uh, I'm not aware that that any other group has uh, experienced the type of brutality at the hands of law enforcement as the black community has. Two two point five times more blacks are killed than any other race whatsoever. The Latinos are not that far behind um, that statistic. You know, if Brian, I told my friend, if the Italians had their kids shot and killed by police at the rate that blacks had their kids shot and killed by police, uh, this country would be, uh, you know, I mean, we would have the kind of, you know, uproar and and just just outcry that would make what's going on here pale in comparison if the irish kids and men and boys were shot and killed at the rate that blacks are or the scottish or all these other wonderful wonderful um heritages that make america as special as it is, if their community males, you know, boys, men, and frankly women, if they were killed at the same rate that blacks were, um, we would have a whole different dynamic here. So, 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 um, you know, again, I see that that in all of this, uh, this is a a time of rebirth 
in a small way for this nation. This country, Brian, is, is being reborn and birth is messy. <laughs> to give birth to a child, you know, to create something new. Oh my goodness, it is ever so chaotic. It is painful and it's ugly. That so yes. That is a great yeah. observation. That is a great observation and metaphor. Do you know, uh, we are in some ways being reborn, Brian, and it's messy and it's a little ugly and, you know, you know, and it's uncomfortable, um, you know, but, 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 you know, how about 20 to 30 years from now, uh, when your grandchildren, Brian, uh, walk into a school, no matter where they might live and just see someone for who they are their character not what they look like for their character i mean what if we lived in that kind of a world in 20 to 30 years from now where people were just valued just for who they are for their capacity to live with decency with integrity to serve their neighbors to you know to love i mean Wow. And I think that that today is about 30 years from now. That's, that's fair. Um, yeah, you almost have to like, constantly reinforce the fundamentals of kindness, you know, like with your children or something that, hey, always be nice. Always, I, I still tell my kids, it's always say thank you, always say please. I repeat it all the time. So maybe that's just what we have to do again. Learn how to just love each other and be kind. We learned, there was a great book years ago called the everything I needed to know in life. I learned in kindergarten. Are you familiar with that? No, I'm not. I'm not. No, I had my kindergarten in a third world country. Yeah. Well, it was, I, don't, I didn't, I actually didn't read the book, but the title, I could stop at the title. Um, just be kind, share your things and don't hit. I mean, it's, it's really no more complicated oh. than that. Oh, wow. And maybe, and maybe I'm oversimplifying it. And no, I, that's great. I don't think it has to be so, but I, I don't know. We're, I think we're afraid of what we don't understand in people. Cause I don't understand math. I don't care, but um, differences in people or things we don't understand in people. I think it scares us because in order to try to understand differences, we have to actually invest ourselves in that person we do a little time in and that's hard because we're in a busy distracted world i love that i love that um you know i've got just one more story dear friend and then i'll keep my mouth shut <laughs> on this interview. i had you on here because i wanted your mouth open <laughs> oh you know um i want to give give um you know, give a shout out to a gentleman that was my mentor for oh, a good 15 years of my life, um, at least. You know, this was a, a retired Orange County Sherry, uh, Sheriff Deputy in Orange County, California. John Kosis was uh, this tall German in, you know, Southern Cal. A tall German retired cop. I think he's he he was uh, you know an 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 officer for probably I don't know uh, forty years 
a long time. And, um, and you know, at one point he was a, you know, detective. I mean, he had different roles and he became a mentor to me, you know, tall German, you know, white, blue eyes, blonde hair. I mean, he looked like, he looked like Superman and just a big boy, you know, mm-hmm. he took me under his wing, uh, Brian, when I was in my early, early twenties and, and really is the one who taught me how to be a man because my parents um they lived in, in haiti um i came here alone at 14 and so i didn't have you know you know anyone to guide me john was the one who who brought me up um he's a father in a way and and then you know i i remember stories that he would share with me about his time on the force and 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 um, you know i'll just say this you know very succinctly in about 40 years john pulled out his weapon maybe twice for something related to you know an incident as he served maybe twice he you know he said to me over and over again look you know it doesn't matter who the criminal is what they've done you know just you know, just a drug addict, you know, full of drugs. And, 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 you know, when you show up on the scene and you show them respect and you treat them like a human being, even if you have to put cuffs on them, you have a conversation. You are kind and calm with a spirit of service. Let me tell you, never do these people react violently never yeah go ahead ryan yeah yeah they don't resist because because they feel like they're being heard and acknowledged yes i mean that blew my mind he would tell me this he would tell me story after story after story after story i mean again over for for 15 years he was my 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 you know my uh, adopted father he was a father, um, and um, and he just just loved me. He was so kind and so sweet, and just, I mean, he saw me through, you know, through some growing pains here. Um, but I'll never forget at how shocked I was that as a police officer, he just just had a vision around how to approach anybody anybody it didn't matter how hardcore they were gang members whatever it, you know you know you know john was imposing so so i mean you know he was physically intimidating as it were um uh and and, and but you know here he is just just having a you know respectful conversation with whomever it is that he has to bring in and they always responded in kind always i remember that story it's quite interesting just i guess yeah just versus versus treating someone like a you know an animal which yeah we've seen happen and can happen and i get and i get it i get it man when someone's when someone's you know acting like that your 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 natural reaction is to you know kind of do the same backwards you know or back to them right 
instantly. I mean, you, you know, you react. You, you yep. show, your, show your dominance and, you know, I'm yep. in control. I'm the one in power. So you will yep. be subservient to me. Yep. You know, I, I've never been a cop. I don't know. I don't think I could do it, but I, I hats off to these guys who do decide to go into that line of work. And I think they, I all, mean, they all go into yeah. it with a, with probably similar mindset of wanting to, you know, help and protect and serve. Right. Right. You know, it is hard work. Uh, and I, and I just so love and appreciate our men and women in blue that serve our communities. Oh, my dear friend, you know, they are our angels in, you know, in our darkest hour. I mean, they are the ones who protect our children as they come, just come and go, walk to and from school. Um, as we, you know, try to live peacefully, they make sure that we can live peacefully. Uh, the men and women in blue, uh, you know, again, John, John, my mentor, um, you know, was one of them. He, um, he, he taught me what an honorable profession it is to go into law enforcement. It is honorable. Um, you know, I mean, what a way to serve the public. It, I mean, it's, it's an amazing uh, sacrifice to put yourself out there on the line every day, not knowing what's going to happen that day. If you'll even come home back to your children, back to your spouse that night, and yet you show up in your uniform, you wear the badge, and you go to serve your community. Um, there, there's nothing more honorable. There's no profession that I can think of that is more honorable than, than, um, than law enforcement um, and, ser and serving in that way. Uh, but there's a way to show up, and there's a way to not um, show up. To not show up. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, yeah. Just freaking nice, you know? um, so, okay, I'm going to just kind of shift it over to the media. And yep. do, you, do you think the media's role is helping or hurting this next 30 years that you mentioned? Sure. You know, so, so I have, um, you know, a slightly different perspective on, you know, on the media, simply because, Brian, I came from a third world country where there was no media to speak of, where the media did, you know, did not exist. Um, I mean, you know, it was a dictatorship, Haiti, um, under baby Doc that I grew up with. And um, until he, of course, left, but um, there was not a media to educate, to inform. And so, and so, when I, you know, you know, hear, um, you know, I, well, just concern of just about the media, uh, you know, persuading towards this direction or that direction, or, you know, they're not doing this, this well enough or good enough. You know, my first impression is, man, am I grateful that we can have a dialogue and we can actually read 
uh, various points of view because in my country, that did not exist. You know, if the government didn't tell you what was happening and why it was happening, their version of it, you got nothing. I mean, you know, people could be killed and disappear and, and just the corruption in Haiti is, is, is you, know, you know, well known. It is well documented. And, uh, had had any had any information because the media did not exist so 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 you know i will glance at the headlines and you know and you've got the the fox news world and you have the cnn camp uh and then you've got you know everything in between um all i can tell you is that i'm grateful for all of it all of it every single day uh, be you know because we can have a dialogue you know yes the dialogue gets a little bit crazy but but you know we have you know the opportunity to actually ask a question to actually you know see information that that is perhaps uncomfortable or unwelcomed or even biased but but it is information nonetheless that we can evaluate we have the privilege of evaluating various data points uh, as we try to formulate a thought around a subject. Um, I'm grateful for the media because of that, because of that. That's an interesting perspective too, because I've had a, uh, maybe kind of a negative opinion of most media outlets and I was a junkie for 18 years and watched all of it and <laughs> it was making me it just was pissing me off um, sure because i know at the very least they're biased um yep if not completely corrupt and agenda driven so yep. i i've had this thought like they need to just go away but to your point it gets people talking at least and we can have these discussions and you know if we're civil enough and want to learn i mean if you're not if you're just an ignorant jerk, then, you know, I don't want you having conversations, but, <clears throat> but yeah, you're right. It's, it, we can look at someone who thinks differently than us and acts differently than us and dresses differently than us and still practice loving them. Cause it's, it, you know, loving someone that is different than you is a lot more difficult than loving someone that looks just like you and acts just like you and thinks just like you and is in the same club. Yep. So, well said, Brian. Well said. Um, you know, I mean, that is a fundamental truth. Um, we tend to feel comfortable around the familiar, around the familiar, around uh, you know the thing that 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 is easy to to understand. Um, and and and, and uh, but but you know. Again, the dialogue that is going on in this country today is amazing. You know, it is amazing. I mean, um, like my friend from South, from South Carolina who called me, you know, two months ago, like you reaching out to me a couple of weeks ago, and so many others, Brian, that are having this conversation around possibilities, around, around you know, uh, this, uh, you know, this moment, this time, 
what an amazing dialogue to be having. I mean, I'm seeing things happening today. Um, you know, I'm a realtor um, uh, with one of the largest brokerages, in, you know, well, perhaps the largest brokerage in the world. And, and, um, and the leadership of our brokerage, um, I just adore them. Um, he's, he sent out a letter about this topic, about systemic racism that was extraordinary. I mean, you know, two years ago, for him to have put that out would have been just kind of weird. You know, I mean, why, why are we talking about this now? But today, it was just meaningful to all the agents, you know, the thousands, the thousands of agents across this country in that brokerage. Um, you know, our leadership said, we need to show up being mindful of the systemic challenges that Blacks have faced, Latinos have faced, others have faced. And we need to, to no longer just say, you know, you know, I've never been racist. Yeah, I mean, I'm not racist. I don't have a racist bone in my body. I don't discriminate. I'm not, you know, that is not enough to just say this in this moment, in this moment. Like what you're doing, Brian, uh, you said, I want to have a conversation about it. I want to understand how I can be a part of the solution. I mean, if something hurts any group of humanity, if any segment of humanity is suffering, frankly, all of humanity is suffering. And so you're having a dialogue with me this morning about something that a group of, of people continue to experience and are in pain over, over, that is the gift of this moment. What a gift this is. You know, our brokerage is, is um, you know, is a part of um, trying to, to find ways to make our country and our world ultimately a better place. What a great time this is. What a gift this is. Um, I, I personally celebrate this moment and what it means to our world, Brian, and what it means to our children 30 years from now. Yep. One conversation at a time. Yep. It's a, you know, we, we want to go save the world and, and we think we have to do it on this grand, grand scheme or grand scale. And I don't think we do. I think it's just, you know, like you, you and me having a conversation about some, the, the elephant in the living room. Right. Right. It's just a conversation. Absolutely, sir. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so a couple, couple of final questions, I think. Um, so you're, well, let me just go here. Is there any, let me go this, go, go to this point. Is there anything that, maybe I should have asked you that I haven't that you want to share. You know, um, I think we've, we've done what, what um, we really need to be doing. You and I together have done what we all need to be doing, which is have a conversation around this. Um, you know, that creates understanding, Brian. Uh, you know, I mean, 
you've learned a little bit more about me this morning than than you knew, uh, you know, and vice versa. And and so 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 you know, this is is a time of 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 um, of having a real powerful, um, you know, interested conversation about about um, race. And, and uh, you know, and it's not a pretty subject, Brian. Um, it is not a comfortable subject, but it is a critical subject because we, yeah. I don't want to be comfortable. I've been, <laughs> I've been comfortable my whole life and it's kind of, frankly, it's getting a little boring. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and so, 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 you know, it's okay. Uh, you know, I would say to your audience, uh, just have a dialogue about it, you know, without feeling defensive, you know, without feeling like people are blaming you for something that you've never even thought of doing, uh, you know, uh, just, just having, just having an open-minded conversation will, will educate, will educate, uh, you and me and my wife and others about about how um, our great experiment called America can achieve uh, its 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 ultimate aim, which is to be that shining city on a hill. Yeah, yeah. For for good things, not for the craziness that we've seen in the media recently. Right. Right. I, I have, uh, my wife is from England. And so I, it's interesting to hear her family's perspective because they get, they don't get, I don't think they get a, a fairly a balanced view on, on us. You right. Know, all Trump is the devil. And <laughs> yeah, America is, you know, they see, they're seeing all the, they're seeing all the, that the, the media is just feeding them that media right. wants to feed them because the media has got to make money. And you and me having a civil conversation about this isn't very sexy to some media. <laughs> right. I'm not calling you names. You're not calling me names. And right. that's just boring. So it doesn't sell. I, I, my, my, my brother, works for one of the California state universities and he has for 25 years. And we both grew up in an extremely conservative part of Northern California, probably more, probably more conservative than Utah. To the fault, I think. And since he's been around that university environment, of course his, his views have changed. Sure. And we had a, a great interview you know, last year about, uh, you know, being in the middle and, and you don't have to pick a side. And there's this tendency to, to just battle with my side, your side, this group, that group. And you just, you don't have to, I think you can have, I I can, I can maybe not disagree or not agree with you and not want to kill you or fight with you or, you know, dismiss you or marginalize you. I think dismissing is probably worse than fighting with you. Right. Um, And you can, you can, and I think if, if people have just a genuine attitude of understanding, which is hard, I, I get it. It's hard. I, I, I find it easy, but a lot of people don't find it easy. 
um, to, to talk with someone who, who you disagree with. Right. Without, without feeling defensive. Right. Do you know, I always go back in, in my mind um, to, to, is there an example of love that I can follow? I mean, I'm, you know, I mean, does our, does our world have, you know, just, just any examples of what love really looks like? And the answer is yes, we do. You know, there are so many luminaries uh, over a millennia or more that have paved the way to teach us and to show us what love is. And Christ is one of them. You know, um, you know we have others that have walked an enlightened path where, where um, you, know, you know, just to your point about being in the middle and that's why I'm even going there, Brian, is, 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 is you, know, you know, I mean, loving just no matter what a person on the other side from you might think, uh, no matter what their ideologies, philosophies, political world worldviews might be, we're going to love them as God's children, as a brother, as a sister, period. Um, that is what I try to do. Um, and, and I fall short, you know, trust me, every single day. But, but I'm striving to, to learn how to love the person across from me, irrespective of, you know, you know background or, you know, just ethnicity. We have to learn how to love. We do. Yes. And, you know, it's one day at a time. And, and I, I find that, especially now with social media, when we can hide behind our keyboards, it's easy to, to divide and, and put someone in a camp or put someone in a category. Because now, now that you're in this category, I can understand you more, which is ironic because you understand them less. But treating those on all sides as humans. And, and I know that a lot of the conversations that people have with their quote unquote friends, if they were in person doing that same conversation, they would be less harsh. Right. Cause you see that you're just, we're all just trying to figure this thing out called life. And, yep. and we're all influenced by our upbringing and our cultures and where we grew up and our family and ideas. And of course it's going to influence your behavior to some extent. Um, and we just have to just treat that person as a human that are just trying to figure, trying to figure things out the same way we are. Instead of as a human being. Instead of as putting a in a box. Yeah. Yep. Well said, my friend. Well said. Well, sir, I thank you so much for you joining me this morning. This has been, uh, this has been fun. I, I, you are a, you are a, a breath of fresh air and uh, I tend to be kind of gloomy and dark sometimes. And so it's been, it's been fun to talk with you and hear your, your jovial laughter and your, your perspective and attitude on, on things. It's been fun. 
Well, you know, you are a brother from another mother, Brian, from the moment I met you. I mean, all it took was you and I going uh, as as realtors here, uh, going to see homes for one day. And our connection, you know, you know, whenever that was, um, has been stronger and stronger as time has gone on. Um, that's what it's all about. And, and, you know, I mean, what a privilege to have been here with you this morning. And, um, and I, you know, and I thank you for doing this. This, this is important work that you do, Brian. Um, we, we need conversations around hope around possibility and you are facilitating you know facilitating this this critical conversation at this critical moment in our nation's history so i'm grateful for you my friend well i'm trying i i figured i have this small little platform i might as well try to do some good with it oh i love it it's great it's uh it's it's been fun so um thank you i want to do this again at some point yep um, let's so, do it yeah uh, you you uh yeah, you're yeah. someone I want to. You're someone I want to have in my world a lot more, a lot more often. Ditto. No, I, uh, no, I feel the same way, brother. I feel the same. As soon as this goofy virus thing stops and you can come out of your hole, <laughs> we, we, we get together. So you figured out that I've been hiding, huh? Oh, you admitted it to me already. So. <laughs> I know I did. <laughs> yes, my friend. No, this this was great. Thank. Thank you so much. This was a privilege, truly. Oh, as, as well for me, too. So thank you again, sir. You have an awesome okay. day. Okay, buddy. Bye-bye. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. Thank you again for listening to the Parish the Thought Show. We would love your comments and feedback on our website at briankeithparish.com slash feedback. If you love or hate what you hear, please give us a rating on whatever platform you find us. 